Welcome to the Hydric and Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hydric is the premier global provider of senior level executive search and leadership consulting services. Diversity and inclusion, leading through tumultuous times, and building thriving teams and organizations are among the core issues we talk with leaders about every day, including in our podcasts. Thank you for joining the conversation. Hi. I'm Nicholas von Rosti, Managing Partner of Hydric and Struggles Germany and a member of the Corporate Officers and Industrial Practices. In today's podcast, I'm talking to Sebastian Biedenkopf, member of the Executive Board with Responsibilities for Legal, Compliance, HR and Insurance at Fresenius. Fresenius is a global healthcare group offering products and services for dialysis hospitals, and outpatient treatment. Prior to joining Fresenius, uh, Sebastian, um, you uh, were general counsel of Robert Bosch uh, GmbH for seven years. And uh, before that, from 2008 to 2012, uh, you held various positions at Conergy AG, a multinational renewable energy company lastly as chief financial officer and even uh, as the interim chief executive officer. You have worked in different industries in your career, Sebastian, and what would be interesting for us to know is how has this differentiation helped you develop as a leader? Well, first of all, Nicolas, thank you for the kind uh, introduction. And yes, I have worked in various places. It started with private practice. And after that, uh, I worked in five different companies in five different industries. Change thus uh, becomes a normal part of professional and private life. One of the great advantages is, especially if the focus of your work is managing risk, that you become less excited when you experience that the problems company face show similar patterns again and again. Also, that the cycles that companies go through are similar. You feel change less as a burden and more as an opportunity. And you realize how, how different companies are. Every company has its individual shape, its own character, its own DNA. And you understand that there are some key ingredients which shape the company, which make a difference. The type of ownership, the degree of influence of the capital market, the overall culture of the industry, the company is part of, and most importantly, the people. Uh, when, when I started my career, I couldn't understand why investors always make such a fuss about the CEO. In large corporations, the CEO is just one among thousands of employees. Uh, over time, I learned that the CEO can make a huge difference. Every executive can make a huge difference. Today, I do understand why the right tone from the top is so essential. So changing places helped me to understand what it is that makes a difference, seeing both good examples and bad examples. There are also downsides, of course. Um, sometimes you cannot finish things you wanted to finish. You have to leave teams behind you, you liked to work with, and you never get the deep understanding of the company and the industry 
the people can get when they stay on for decades. What helped me most is the ability to compare. You can explain to people more convincingly that things can be done differently, that many ways lead to Rome, if you want to say. Having survived in different ecosystems can give you a higher credibility, especially when it comes to critical decisions. What would interest me is the difference also between a publicly listed company. I mean, you are today in a publicly listed company. Conergy was also publicly listed. And you were seven years in a huge privately held uh, company like Bosch. Yeah, um, I would guess that that there are also some some differences in terms of leadership um, style required in the different environments. Well, taking these two examples, you have different stakeholders. I mean, some stakeholders are the same, but um, some uh, are different. And uh, I like to talk about nudging when it comes to that. I mean, you have the executives, you have the group of leaders, they need control. And we have a governance system, a very well-developed governance system, uh, which regulates how this control has to be designed. But there's also the nudging. And uh, the nudges coming from the capital market are quite intense. And uh, you react to them, you react to them immediately. Uh, you have to be very transparent You have to keep your shareholders informed more or less on a daily basis, if you so want. If you are in a privately held company, you do not have these nudges. And there are benefits and there are downsides. So it makes a huge difference. Let's talk a little bit about the last, let's say, one and a half years. We have all been through the pandemic and many of us have had to adapt to the new situation. So... What would you say, um, is it exactly what sort of leadership skills are essential for you and your team in order to thrive through this pandemic? Is there anything which you have learned out of this experience of the last one and a half years as a leader? Well, thinking about the leadership skills which were needed, I would say in the end, these are the same skills that a leader needs in a crisis anyway, in every crisis. Getting a picture of the situation based on the accessible facts, prioritizing, deciding, creating transparency, being honest. There was and still is a great deal of uncertainty and fear among colleagues. And I think you have to respond to this. I'm always surprised at the positive impact that can be achieved when people talk about their own insecurities and fears. I start many conversations by talking about the energy leak, as I call it, that the pandemic has created for me. I feel that energy is flowing out of this leak, but I can't say exactly where this leak is and how much energy is flowing out of it. But I feel that something is different. And again and again, I experience that colleagues then open up and talk about their perception, their experience, their fears. And I think these kind of conversations uh, make a big difference for everybody. Just, just to better understand, if, if you're talking of an energy leak, is that the so-called Zoom fatigue uh, you are referring to or a home office which makes you... Slower, can, can you explain a bit more what, what you exactly mean with this energy leak? Well, for a leader, it's difficult to say I'm tired. For a leader, it's difficult to say I'm afraid. 
I think if you are in a stage where people feel that something is different with the boss, that, that he seems to be tired, that he seems to be scared, I think you have to talk about it. Otherwise, you lose credibility. And I, for me, choose this picture of the energy leak because everybody knows what a leak is. Something is leaking, so you are losing water or you're losing whatever, usually something precious. And um, it's, it's all of it. Sometimes I feel having less energy uh, than I had before. And I think it's a combination out of the uncertainty. I think if you are in an uncertain, uncertain environment, uh, it costs you energy. And uh, yes, it's also the Zoom, but the Zoom is not, uh, let's say, the major ingredient. It, it is the crisis. It is the situation we are in. Can you give us a bit more of details how your role has shifted at Bosch and what did you take forward to Fresenius? I think the pandemic has made me realize the importance of humility, that we should be more humble. And is the sky really the limit? Or are there lower limits? Uh, the crisis has also strengthened my conviction that direction is more important than speed. Uh, many issues are hyped up without things being thought through first, more than ever. Suddenly, we don't need office space anymore. Sounds modern, agile. But what about people's habits and needs? Are we going into that enough? What about the fears that such changes create in some? So we must be careful not only to involve people in such considerations, but also to give them enough time to make the necessary adaptions. Evolution usually took place over generations. The crisis has strengthened also my conviction that leadership must increasingly consist of dealing with radical uncertainty but we still plan for each quarter with a decimal place uh, instead. At the same time, we have a great loss of stability and reliability. Thinking in scenarios is therefore becoming more important than precise planning. We live too much in the belief that we can control the future. I call this the control illusion. If I, as an automotive company, generate more than 50% of my profits in China, for example, do I still have control over the course of the business in the next three years? If, as a logistic company, it takes me weeks to find the containers scattered around the world after a cyber attack, how do I best position myself for the next few years? I think ultimately accepting some loss of control and sinking in scenarios means increased resilience. So leading in uncertain times to summarize, I think that's exactly what you were just describing. Do you think that as an, a lawyer, I mean, you are a trained lawyer, educated lawyer now wearing three hats as executive board member, HR, legal and, and compliance, um, This is something, and sorry whether this is a leading question, but it's something which is helping you in, in order to, to handle complex situations like leading in uncertain times? In any case, it helps me to position myself uh, differently. For the last more than 20 years, I've been mostly a risk manager, managing risk. So I would say I have a risk DNA. And sometimes that puts you in a difficult spot. People 
feel more comfortable if they don't need you, because to them it means we don't have any risks to manage. So when uh, I got the offer to join Fresenius, I was very much looking forward to the HR role, because uh, in the HR role, it's more about positive thinking. It's about designing the future for the teams, for the employees of the company. It's more creativity. I wouldn't say that risk management doesn't need creativity, but it's what I'm trying to explain. It, it has something positive. It's in this part of the job, I can smile all the time. And um, that is something which I'm enjoying. And uh, I think it, it also has changed me in a way over the last seven months. In, in which respect did it change you, if I may ask? I, I feel the job as less burden. I mean, for the five years before I joined uh, Fresenius, I had to deal with a diesel crisis at Bosch. And I think uh, in a way that's the, the mother of all crises uh, when it comes to compliance. And that was a burden. There was not a lot of positive energy uh, other than some successes we had, but, but still in a very grim environment. And uh, what I do enjoy now is really thinking about how do you want to design the workspace? How do you want to design processes to give people an environment, to, to help to create an environment to people they really like to work in? That makes a big difference. And it's, I must say, it's not a problem to, to combine both the risk management and the being trying to be creative. So, so talking a little bit about burdens, um, Bastian, which topic keeps you currently awake at night? Well, as an executive, of course, I have to make sure that I get a good night's sleep. But, but you're right, uh, uh, Nicolas, and we talked about that. There are many things which are kind of worrisome, I think more than 10 years ago, but they do not keep me awake at night. What keeps me awake at night is really the question, am I right? Am I right in what I'm doing? Am I right in how I live? Uh, am I right in what I taught or tried uh, to teach our three sons uh, who are grown up now. Is, is the way we are living the right way? Are the concepts we have adopted the right ones? Let's talk about capitalism. I mean, has capitalism proven to be the best possible system? Or have we come to a point, and I think we have come to a point because we are discussing it. Uh, what about the free market economy? Can the free market economy solve the problems we have better than Brussels? Probably yes. Can we solve the problems at all? Can I tell my kids, as I was told, that for every problem there is a technical solution? And, and that is what keeps me up at night. And, and that's, um, I hope that I will find more time to give it some thoughts over the next months and years. In our pre-discussion, Sebastian, we also talked about sustainability. What, what does this issue mean for you? Well, I think, um, yeah, sustainability is, is prob uh, probably the roof above all what I just tried to explain. I grew up uh, with a feeling that the sky is the limit. I, I used that before. 
And um, I come to the conclusion that this is not the case. I think that mankind is relatively vulnerable. Uh, we just experience that. We believe that um, the, me the medical industry can solve that problem. It probably can, but it's not going away and there will be other problems. And now we have all these man-made problems, which will be very difficult to solve, if at all. Uh, we have the problem of inequality. And um, sometimes I do feel a little overwhelmed being faced with all these things at the same time. And I'm pretty sure that I'm not the only one who feels like that. And sometimes when I do not sleep at night, that's what's going through my head. Thank you. I think this is a really good closing remark. And Sebastian, thank you for making the time to speak with us today. All the best to you. Thank you very much, Nicolas. It was a great pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time.